0: You are listening to Primary Care Perspectives, a podcast where pediatric experts from Children's Hospital of Philadelphia and other guests discuss primary care issues that are on their minds and the hot topics that all pediatricians see affecting their daily practice. This podcast is for general informational and educational purposes only and is not to be considered as medical advice for any particular patient. Clinicians must rely on their own informed clinical judgment in making recommendations to their patients. Hi, I'm Dr. Katie Lockwood, a primary care pediatrician at Children's Hospital of Philadelphia, and today I'm talking about vitamin D and iron as infant nutrition. Joining me is Erica Schwab, a clinical dietitian with the Clinical Nutrition Program. She supports the Division of Gastroenterology, Hepatology, and Nutrition and the Bone Health Clinics at Children's Hospital of Philadelphia. Thank you so much for joining me today, Erica.
1: Thank you so much for having me.
0: So the AAP recommends that infants get 400 IUs of vitamin D per day, which can be done through supplementation if the infant's taking less than one liter per day of breast milk or formula. But we know from a 2020 pediatrics article by Dr. Simon and Ahrens that across demographic groups, fewer than 40% of infants are meeting this intake guideline. So Erica, why do you think that we aren't following this recommendation?
1: You know, I think this may be due to a combination of reasons that are centered around access, education, and follow-up care. Breast milk has been labeled as liquid gold and the ideal source of nutrition for infants. And while the benefits of breast milk cannot be underscored, I think this marketing could have created a perception that breast milk provides complete nutrition. Even for infants who are growing appropriately, most do need a vitamin D supplement, And there appears to be an idea that once a baby starts formula, they no longer need vitamin D supplementation. I think that maybe for some parents, if they know that they need to supplement vitamin D, perhaps they may not know how much. And there's also a really important window of care, particularly for our babies who have spent time in the hospital. And that occurs between discharge and outpatient follow-up. There may not be adequate refills for prescribed vitamin D or continued education on its importance. And this can certainly act as a barrier for continued supplementation.
0: So what you're saying is that vitamin D supplementation does not differ whether you're formula-fed or breastfed. Is that right?
1: Overall, the need for vitamin D supplementation does not significantly differ between breastfed and formula-fed infants. Breastfed infants need 400 international units or 10 micrograms of vitamin D daily. And non-breastfed infants who are under 12 months of age who are consuming less than 32 ounces of a vitamin D-fortified formula or milk still need a supplement. And for infants, this typically does not occur until about 6 to 9 months of age. And I think it's important to note that this recommendation refers to 32 ounces of formula only. So most infants who are receiving a mix of breast milk and formula still need that supplement of 400 international units or 10 micrograms of vitamin D per day.
0: So you talked about how we know when to stop supplementing formula-fed babies. How do we know when breastfed infants are getting enough vitamin D from the breast milk or their diet from foods to stop supplementing them?
1: I recommend stopping supplementation once the infant has been completely weaned off of breast milk and transitioned to whole milk or other dietary sources of vitamin D. Some common sources of vitamin D that are found in the diet include milk once the child is greater than one year of age, eggs, fatty fish such as salmon, yogurt, cheese, and some fortified juices and cereals. Infants are unlikely to reach the upper limit of vitamin D for their age while they transition to these food and beverage sources of vitamin D, and most still need a supplement during this time. And it's important to note that the upper limit is the maximum amount of a vitamin or mineral that can be ingested without likely causing adverse health effects. The upper limit of vitamins and minerals differs based on the age of infants and children. It can happen with vitamin D, but is rarely a concern. So simply stated, I think it's safer to continue with vitamin D supplementation if you are unsure of their intake than to risk discontinuing it too soon.
0: Right, because you're unlikely to hit that upper limit that you were talking about. Yes, that's correct. So why is supplementation of vitamin D so important for infants anyway?
1: So vitamin D is vital to the growth and development of bones and teeth. It enhances calcium absorption and helps to sustain the blood levels of calcium and phosphorus. And vitamin D is really important to prevent the development of a condition called rickets. And rickets can develop due to prolonged periods of inadequate vitamin D and calcium intake and results in soft or weak bones in infants, which may lead to skeletal abnormalities that are noted on a physical exam. The group at greatest risk for nutritional rickets is exclusively breastfed infants who have not been supplemented with vitamin D. The AAP recommends all infants, including those who are exclusively breastfed, have a minimum intake of 400 international units or 10 micrograms of supplemental vitamin D per day within the first few days of life. And it's also important to note that vitamin D plays a role in processes related to cell growth, muscle, and immune function. So it is not just those strong bones, while they are very important.
0: That's great. There are so many different benefits of vitamin D. But also, you hinted at some special high-risk groups. So are the vitamin D supplementation guidelines different in preemies or other kids who might be high-risk?
1: Yes. So infants who are preterm- dark-skinned, or on steroids or anticonvulsants need 400 to 800 international units or 10 to 20 micrograms of vitamin D daily. Preterm discharge formulas provide about 520 to 550 international units or 13 to 14 of micrograms of vitamin D per liter daily. And preterm infants receiving these formulas should still be supplemented with vitamin D until they have reached an intake of one liter of formula daily. Patient populations with malabsorptive disorders such as inflammatory bowel disease, cystic fibrosis, and hepatic failure may require higher maintenance doses of vitamin D. I would encourage referring to patients' specialty programs regarding recommendations for vitamin D in this population as they may be patient and demographic-specific.
0: Those are great points for us to keep in mind as we definitely take care of a lot of premature infants and some of the other conditions that you talked about and the special vitamin D needs that those groups may have. Let's shift though now to talking about iron. So how much iron do infants need and are they getting enough of this from formula and breast milk?
1: That is a great question. So for term infants, the requirements for iron are 0.27 milligrams of iron daily from birth to 6 months and these requirements increase to 11 milligrams daily from 7 to 12 months. Preterm and low birth weight infants fed human milk should receive an iron supplement of at least 2 milligrams per kilo per day by 1 month of age and this should be continued until the infant is eating complementary foods that supply this amount of iron or at least until 12 months of age. So starting at four months of age, exclusively breastfed infants and partially breastfed infants who receive more than half of their daily feedings as breast milk should be supplemented with one milligram per kilo per day of oral iron. And this should be continued until iron-containing complementary foods such as iron-fortified cereals and stage one meats have been introduced when the infant is developmentally ready, which is usually around six months of age. If fresh milk is not available, only iron-fortified formulas should be used for infants who are less than 12 months of age. I think it's important to note that the preterm discharge formulas do contain higher levels of iron due to the increased needs of the premature infants. And both standard and premature infant formulas provide the two milligrams per kilo per day of iron when the formula is provided at 120 calories per kilo per day.
0: So it sounds like if I'm getting these recommendations right and can summarize, Sure. for breastfed infants, we don't necessarily need to start supplementing iron until they're around four months of age, and we can discontinue once they start eating iron in their diet from iron-fortified or iron-containing foods. Is
1: that right? Yes, that's correct.
0: Great. And then formula should be doing the job for Other children, although, as you mentioned, there may be some kids who are a little bit higher risk, like premature infants who have higher needs. Exactly. Great. So one of the things that I run into when supplementing iron is noncompliance with treatment due to taste. Are there any tricks out there to help make this taste better?
1: That's a really good question, and I encounter that in my clinics all the time. Mm-hmm. Iron can be mixed into a small amount of puree, such as applesauce or fruit or vegetable purees. It's important to note that iron should not be mixed into any dairy-based foods such as yogurt, as these can actually limit the body's ability to absorb iron. Mm-hmm. And while I have no affiliation with the company, I have had success with the reported palatability and acceptance of Novaferums. Infant multivitamin with iron. Mm -hmm, Great.
0: I've heard that as well. It really does help to have these tricks because, as you mentioned, there are some kids who need the supplementation and kids can be picky about what they eat. Speaking of eating, so when we are introducing iron containing or fortified foods, some of them are not necessarily baby's favorite foods. So when I'm taking a nutrition history in clinic, how can I specifically get at the dietary history to make sure that they are eating enough of those foods to stop their supplementation?
1: I think it is a great question and definitely something that should be explored in clinic. And this can be achieved by asking specifically about formula and breast milk intake if the parents are able to quantify it. And you can also ask specifically about the introduction of iron-rich foods, such as fortified infant cereal, meats, and some plant-based sources, such as beans and legumes, if the infant is ready for those types of foods. One serving of a fortified infant cereal is equivalent to about a quarter of a cup or four tablespoons. And this provides six to seven milligrams of iron, which is a little bit more than half of the requirement for infants aged six to 12 months. Hmm. And the iron content of commercially prepared baby food meats can vary and is often minimal, but is still important for introduction. I think that infants who have started solids, who are greater than four months of age, aiming for one to two servings of an infant fortified cereal in addition to their breast milk or formula, is a great place to start.
0: Great. Those are helpful tips. Now, for both vitamin D and iron, we've talked a lot about how formulas are fortified with these micronutrients and help meet baby's needs. But do we need to worry if parents are choosing a formula that's less than some of the bigger commercial brands that we know of? Sometimes I have families who are picking brands that I've never heard of. Sometimes they're European products or they're just newer companies that have come out. So how do I know if they have the micronutrients that the babies need?
1: I am encountering this more and more often in my clinics as well, and I think it's helpful to start with the framework of how U.S. formulas are regulated in the United States. So all U.S. formulas are fortified with the micronutrients that we talked about because they're regulated by the FDA. Now, the FDA sets strict standards regarding what the formulas contain, how they're manufactured, and how they're stored. They are required to meet strict, evidence-based nutrient requirements designed to match the nutrient profile to breast milk as best as possible. While there are generic or perhaps less commercial brands produced in the U.S., these are still required to meet these standards. However, this is not guaranteed with European formulas. It is worth noting that in August of 2021, there was an FDA recall of eight European formula brands due to insufficient iron levels, and specifically less than one milligram of iron per hundred calories. This is not adequate to meet the needs of preterm, low birth weight, and other infants at risk for iron deficiency. It is also worth noting that the nutrient and mixing instructions for European formulas are not always available in English, and scoop sizes of these formulas are different. This increases the risk for errors when families and clinicians translate this information, and it can become particularly dicey when mixing instructions need to be altered to achieve a different calorie concentration of the formula or fortification of breast milk, and these alterations are not always recommended by European manufacturers. I always recommend exercising some level of caution with European formulas, and that is particularly true for babies with increased nutrient needs such as premature and low birth weight infants.
0: That's great advice for us and for parents. I think we get these questions, as you mentioned, more and more, and it's helpful for us to have some information that we can give to parents to make the best consumer choice for their, for them and for their baby. So for primary care providers who want to make sure that they stay up to date with the guidelines and all of the information that we just talked about, What are your favorite resources and where can we refer for some of those complicated cases that you mentioned um, that might be just kind of beyond the routine and we might need the help of someone like you?
1: Absolutely. So a couple of great resources that we have available at CHOP are the vitamin D primer for CHOP primary care providers, and this can be found on, you know, the CHOP Internet. And it was created in 2018 and will be updated within the next year, but all of the information is still accurate and relevant. The vitamin D handout, or PFE, was just updated this year and is available for primary care providers and can be provided to families. And to refer to a specialist in outpatient nutrition, the number to schedule appointments is 267 425 3310 and we are present in locations throughout the philadelphia and new jersey area well
0: thank you so much for sharing all of this information with us today and for helping take care of our patients in nutrition gi and bone clinics we really appreciate it and we've learned a lot today thank you so much for
1: having me it's a pleasure
0: thank you for listening to this episode of primary care perspectives You can download and subscribe to future episodes on iTunes or visit chop.edu slash PCP podcast for a listing of all episodes. I look forward to our next chat.